0: Zakawani, the flying
1: winger. Oh, goodness me! He doesn't need anybody, Steve Zakawani!
0: Steve Zakawani was never fun <laughs> to stick up against. Was it for Zakawani? None of this is possible. It's Steve! It's Steve! <laughs> it this is so weird! Steve Zakawani! What's up, everyone? Steve Zakwani here. Welcome to another episode of Winging It with Zakiwani. Um, Lots on the podcast today as we look back at the RSL game. And one of the reasons we're a little bit late this week is because there was two games, the Open Cup game. I don't think we need to talk about that too much. It was an unfortunate result. But we also will preview the DC United game this weekend um, in a couple of days, actually, and then take a few questions and we'll touch on the big three things right now. Only one place to start. I was down there in Sandy, Utah. And, you know, it's kind of weird playing the same team back-to-back. And similar games, I would say, similar performances from the Sounders, especially. Um, even though, on the whole, the team that Brian Schmetzer was able to put out was slightly stronger than the one we saw in the home game. But RSO also were better, um, even though they were missing probably their best player in Rusnak, um, you know, a lot of guys in MLS tend to play better at home and that seemed to be the case for RSL on the sounder side you know it couldn't really get much worse than what we saw in Salt Lake um from the perspective of for the second week in a row i would say the team they just lacked threat like a real threat where you know you can be playing bad but you know at any moment we can score we don't have to be playing well to score. It looks like right now the Sounders have to either rely on a gigantic mistake from the defenders, which almost happened in Salt Lake, and Will Bruin was able to break through, but his shot was deflected out for a corner. Or something really, really special, which no one up to this point has looked like doing. And special means from 30 yards, look up and just put a ball in the top corner, or someone goes on some kind of mazy dribble and beats three or four defenders and scores, that hasn't happened. So we'll kind of, we can talk about those negatives all day, but there were some positives. And I think one of them from this season is Kim, um, being a really good signing. Um, he's kind of flown under the radar because the team hasn't done well, but the defensive record isn't bad at all. Kim and Chad have developed a pretty good understanding considering he doesn't really speak English. I really don't know how much English he speaks. I don't think he speaks any. And, you know, football is a universal language. Um, You can kind of play without communicating the same language. But it does help, especially defensively, where you have to be so in tune to hold your position and know where your centre-back partner is. And him and Chad Marshall have built a pretty good understanding, but it's becoming tougher and tougher for them where... If they don't keep a clean sheet, a shutout, they're going to lose. They won't even get a point. You give up one goal, you're going to lose because the team simply isn't scoring. But that is a positive. Stefan Fry is another positive. And I would probably give him at this point the title of Mr. Reliable on the Sounders. It's a title I've always had for Aussie, Um, but Ozzie, due to injuries, hasn't really been on the pitch. So for the guys who've been there, Stefan Fry comes up big when needed. You know, makes a save or two a game. Without him, these games could be 3-0 or 4-0 at times. I said on the broadcast, if Salt Lake could finish, I mean, they could have been up 4-0 at halftime. Had some really, really good chances that for them, fortunately, didn't come back to bite them. You know, ended up being a 2-0 game. Really was a 1-0 game because Stefan Fry went up there trying to um, get a goal um, in... Injury time, and he almost got his head on the ball, almost did. And then, you know, Salt Lake caught them on the counter, put the ball into an empty goal. The negatives are plenty. Here's a couple of them. I have to figure out what to do with Clint at this stage. And I say that from the perspective of a convo at some point has got to take place between Clint and the coaching staff, Clint and his teammates, Clint with himself, in the sense of you figure out there's still a lot of quality there, obviously. Um, we haven't seen it this year for whatever reason, but. There's a ton of quality in Clint Dempsey. So, is it a formation change? Is it the personnel you put around him? Is it his role? And by role, I mean, do you tell Clint, "I need you 15 minutes off the bench," um, or do you tell Clint, "I need you every other game," or do you tell Clint, "Look, like you need to play as the nine and just stay there." I don't know, but that conversation will have to happen because this can't continue because it's not good for the team and it's not good for Clint. Um, Clint. Listen, isn't Fulham Clint Dempsey? He's not 2013 to, you know, up until maybe just last year, Clint Dempsey either. And that's fair. Father Times undefeated. We've seen this in every single sport. I saw Michael Jordan go to the Wizards and he wasn't the same either. And this happens to everyone. But at some point, for the good of the team, I think a clearly defined role of what is Clint Dempsey has to be said. Because in his mind, and I know how he thinks, because great players think like that, he's the man and he has to carry the team and he puts that pressure on himself still. If your body doesn't allow that, then you have to readjust. And for the Sounders, you know, getting Nico back, which is a brutal blow for Nico, of course. But having him back is going to be huge during the stretch. So you still have the quality there, but it has to become Nico's team. Barring any big signing that I'm not aware of, the guys who are here, this has to become clearly Nico Lodero's team. Him and Clint have kind of gone back and forth, your team for two weeks, my team for two weeks, and it's worked well for a while. But this year, it has to become Nico's team. You've got to build this team around Nico and then fit Clint into that somehow because he still has a lot to offer. Another positive is Salt Lake themselves. Uh, before we play them in the home game, They were struggling. I looked at the table recently, and they were in third place at the time I looked in the Western Conference, and that's caused three wins in a week. So I hate to continue to say this because it just doesn't seem like it, especially after you get bounced by a USL team in the Open Cup, but it's MLS. I have seen MLS. You win two, three games, go on a five-game, six-game unbeaten streak. You shoot up that table so fast because teams will drop points left, right, and center. The season is far from over. It's definitely not over. But talking is one thing. You do have to go out and get those results at some point. I was on a team that was 4-7-4 in 2010. And we ended the season 10 and 3 And I always reference that season because we felt like this at times. Looking back now, we definitely weren't as bad as this because we were scoring goals and we were dangerous. But... We weren't getting results, and we managed to turn the season around. And I would say there's more quality on this team right now. So it can be done. The worst out of all is eight games without a goal out of 11 games. That, there's no defending. Bad teams find ways to score. You have to find ways to score or you have no chance. Too much pressure on the defenders and the goalkeeper and your whole team defensively to be shut out eight times. A lot of them at home in 11 games, that's not playoff football. That's not playoff soccer. And that's, for me, the one glaring stat in all of this that isn't due to injury. It isn't due to anything. Scoring goals is hard, but eight times out of 11 to be shut out, that has to be fixed. That's not good enough. The team knows that. When we come back, there'll be some questions. And I'll be joined by my good friend, um, Commentator extraordinaire, Liverpool FC fan, the man himself, Keith Costigan, will be stopping by. We'll talk all things World Cup, Champions League final, how he really feels about Sergio Ramos, and talk about his career a little bit too. So stay tuned. Back more on Winging It with Zach Zakuani. Just felt that there wasn't, uh, you know, a sense of bite. Uh, you know, in, within our team, you know, going down 1-0 in the second half, early in the second half, definitely doesn't help. But, you know, the morale of the team is obviously low right now. It's down. But this is the MLS. You win three games in a row, you're you're right back in it. Welcome back to Winging It with Zach Warnie. I am joined now by my friend, Um, The main man, Keith Costigan. Keith, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks Uh, for having me on. I hope we're not going to debate LeBron (laughs) or Michael Jordan. I don't know anything about that. (laughs) Everything else, we're good. I'm sorry it's taken this long to get you on the podcast because we should have got you on a lot sooner. No, I
1: like it. I like it. You know, face-to-face, this is
0: good. Yeah, I feel like it's good timing, though. Um, There's a lot with you to talk about always, but I think one of your best experiences you've had recently was the Champions League final. Um, You're a Liverpool fan. First, I want to know how you became a... A Liverpool fan, and then what the experience down in Kiev was like from someone there on the ground, despite the result.
1: Yeah, for a Liverpool fan, when I was really young, my brother supported Liverpool. I used to copy him with everything, and then one day he said, "No, I support Man United now." And I said, "I still support (laughs) Liverpool." So it was was the first time I made my own decision in life. Uh, I remember the yellow jerseys, Ian Rush back in '84. Like so, just those memories kind of stuck with me. And one of my first memories was the Champions League final uh, in '84. When Liverpool beat Roma, um, Grobler did the, the legs and stuff on the line. So, you know, to, to get the chance to go and work at Champions League final was an absolute dream come true. Obviously not the result I wanted, but uh, the fans, the way they took over that city, the atmosphere and the build-up, uh, talking to some of the legends before was uh, definitely one of the best experiences I've had.
0: What do you think of the game? Like, did the better team win or was the Mo solid injury just too big of an asterisk? that just took too much from what Liverpool could do.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously that played a part, but the best team still won because if you look at Real Madrid if Ronaldo had it got injured, they had Bale to bring on. So yeah, th- that's part of yeah. being a, a championship team. You can't leave it to chance. And Liverpool had a, a pacey winger who gets in behind and scores goals and they replaced them with a midfielder in Atlanta. So that was obviously going to change the complexion of the game. Um so, that, yeah, that played a part, but Real Madrid were absolutely superb in, in, in spells in that game in possession.
0: The Gareth Bale go live, how was it? Yeah, it was awful, <laughs> <laughs> because
1: I had three Real Madrid fans right in front of me, um, and they were on the phone the whole time, Facetime and their friends, <laughs> and, yeah, it was, it was just bad. They were celebrating, and they knew, obviously, I'm, I'm Liverpool, and uh, it's funny, because even in the, the media section for the finals, the media restraints go out the window. Liverpool media are celebrating. Madrid media are celebrating. So, um but like nah, you have to take your hat off too. I, it. It was just a stunning goal. Uh, yeah. Even the Real Madrid fans, for a second, were like, "Yeah." It took a second to register what had happened, and then and then the celebrations. But yeah, credit Bale. He's he's a good guy, and
0: uh, ultimately, the, 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 the Bell overhead kick or the Cristiano one versus I think was it Juventus.
1: I gotta go, Bale, just because the agree. final, and just just yeah. what it meant, and him coming on, and the season that he'd had. Uh, yeah, for for me, that when, when you do it in a game of that magnitude, we watched the, the Champions League final together last year when Manzukic yeah. did it, yeah. and we were yeah. blown away. Yeah. But because yeah. they lost, yeah. Yeah. It, that gets lost yeah. in the mix.
0: But yeah, yeah, Bale's one for sure. Sounds like a fun trip, but like you said, you were there working, and I know very few people. Um, I'm not going to say show business, because we're not in show business, but (laughs) (laughs) that will work as hard as you. So you're doing like a lot of the Bundesliga games, the MLS games. You're flying up here um, every other week to do Sounders games. How did you get your start on the TV side of things when you were done playing? How did that happen for you?
1: Uh, I I played with a guy called Brent Sancho, uh, Trinidadian International. So I was down training with the Galaxy, um, and this guy from Fox approached me and said, You know Brent? can we talk? Can you set up a call? Like, I'm, I'm doing the Trinidad-Bahrain game because they were trying to qualify for the, the 2006 World Cup. I think it was Bahrain. And uh, I was like, yeah, I can set up a call. And we chatted and then he called me the next day and going, hey, do you want to call the game? And I was like, nah, I've never done that. And it, it had never entered my head to go into commentary. So I called the game, called the second game, left it, and then about a month later the, the head guy at Fox was like, hey, do you want to come in and do some more stuff? And, I was like, all right, yeah. So it was, I wish I could say it was like I'd been studying for years. You know, I learned on the job at first and uh, just got a lucky break. Always play by play? No, no, no. I did analyst at first um, because coming off the playing career. um, But about five, six years ago, an exec at Fox, John T. Whitehead, I went into him and I said, every year someone that's played a million times in MLS and a hundred times for the country is going to come in. They're going to have a better resume than me. And I understand that. I want to be a play-by-play guy. And he said, I'll back you from right now. Get it done. So I went through a summer of training and then gave me Europa League, worked up to eventually calling the last two Europa League finals, Bundesliga. So, you know, I have to thank him for backing me because you don't always get that yeah. in this industry, yeah. you know. Um, so since then, it, it, it was definitely the best move for me, looking at some of the, yeah. the, the, the guys that have come in and analyzed the game, yeah. you know.
0: Absolutely. Um, the, I, I don't do play-by-play. I don't think I could do play-by-play. Um, the challenges of doing again because you do a lot of the games. The Seattle games you're here, but like when you're doing like a Bundesliga game and you're watching it on a screen, what's the challenge? Because I don't think people, people might not understand that that's what's actually happening. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah it, it, it's t- like when you're doing a game in in the stands or in the stadium, you yeah. can you, you get to see other things. You get to see the coach and his reaction yeah. on on the sideline. The the you get to the feeling from yeah, the fans see who's
0: warming up. And, exactly, yeah. yeah
1: th- those are big things, and after ball stuff that happens is 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 big, but. No, look. When I start calling play-by-play, I would call Copa Lib games by myself, where we got no lineups until <laughs> 15 minutes into the game. So, if you can do that, you can call absolutely. I mean, it was Brazilian teams. Like, yeah, we, you know. we had one game where they it was delayed for 45 minutes, and we never went to break, <laughs> and I didn't know what was going on. Nobody was like my producer at the time was like, I was like, what's going on? And he was like, I, I don't know. So they were looking up at the lights. So I started saying, I don't know if they paid the bill on the lights, like what? So it was uh, when you learn in that environment and you, you you're used to calling yeah. off monitor, it, it, it gets better. But it is it is tougher. I, I you know anybody wants to come in and see how tough that is, and yeah. I, I think they'd have an added appreciation for the job that we do yeah. in in terms of commentating. I
0: have no idea how I would call a Brazilian team playing a, a team from Uruguay <laughs> with no squad list. Just add Ino at the end of every name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Zero> Portenio <laughs> like, uh, against Lanús, and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's address the Sounders this season. Yeah. We've watched pretty much every game um, together. Um, they've had slow starts in the two years previous. My personal opinion, this feels different. Yeah. It doesn't feel like, oh, they're going to get out of it, or you can see where... The rescues coming from. Um, what's your thoughts on the season so far? Why have they struggled so much and how big a factor maybe like the injuries and Jordan Morris and things like that?
1: Yeah, I, I think the injuries you, you have to
0: you,
1: first of all we don't want to come across as yeah. oh you know because every team gets injuries but I think the fact that we've got away with over the last few years waiting until the summer window yeah. to make the signing has played against us this year. We've kind of like played yeah. with fire got away with it and yeah. now we're saying we can do it again and, and it's backfired a little bit. Yeah. I think if you have Victor, if you have Jordan from the start of the season, we're, we're maybe not number one in the in the West, but we're well positioned. And then we make those signings in July. The fact that everything that could possibly go wrong in the injury front has gone wrong ha- has left us bare. And I, I think it's a case of we got away with it before. Let's try it again. Yeah. Yikes! This is the first year it's it's really gone bad. And there's a different feel this year, isn't it? Because even in the last couple of years, you felt. Yeah, you know there was there was more product
0: on the field, but the lack of goals—I uh, yeah.
1: I, I can't remember ever seeing anything like this from the Sounders team.
0: No, I mean never, ever in my time here. Um, so the Sounders are struggling, but this—I think in Seattle sometimes, and me even—we get into a bubble here because there's so much Sounders here in Seattle. But there is a league around the whole country. So, MLS as a whole, what's your thoughts on the season so far? Are there any storylines that stick out to you? Are there any players, any teams that, you know, have just been amazing that maybe we're not talking about? Yeah, I still, Atlanta United, when I watch them play, I've got to watch them
1: live. I'm going to call them a few times in the summer as well. That almost adds the pressure to Seattle because Seattle set the bar for so long in this league. and, And these teams like Atlanta, Adrian will tell you, they came and said, what did you guys do? Yeah. And now they've, Almost taking it up a level. Yeah. They, they've set the bar and says, hey, you got to keep up with us now. Yeah. And, and I think that's what fans in Seattle are looking at and saying, Atlanta have got Almiron. They've got Josef Martinez.
0: They've got so many attacking I mean, no, players. No, one, no one even talks about Nagby. And he's just a piece in their team. As he, a squad, he's just a... And he's a keep... Yeah. It's, it, it, it was a perfect move for him because yeah. it
1: allows him to be who he, he really is. is yeah. And it, it, they, they just seem to have built such a, a great structure there. Um, Seattle with a couple of signings, can be there. We saw it against yeah. Sporting KC, a way where I thought we we, we showed a quality yeah. uh, in, in that game. We should have won that game. But, uh, yeah, Atlanta United, for me, is the team that that sticks out. LAFC, as well, coming in yeah. immediately. And I'm bringing in big players. Like, Carlos Vela was a top player when he was in Europe, even more so than Gio DeSantis, who, yeah. who I don't think did very well in no. Europe. Vela did. He's coming in and scoring goals. So, so storylines like that add to the pressure for this Sounders team to continue to set the bar as they have done over yeah. the last few seasons?
0: You're California-based, so maybe you're better place than me to answer this. Um, I was on record before he played a game that I didn't think Zlatan would do that well here. Yeah. I think he's a fantastic player, but he doesn't run. And I think in MLS, you Villa does it, Giovinco does it, Almiron does it. You have to move and run. And then he scored the two goals in his debut, and I was like, okay, maybe he can do that. But what's kind of the sense coming out of California about him so far in his start this year
1: I I think yeah I think you're right I think you have to build a team around Zlatan right and they already had a team that was kind of being built around Gio De Santos kind of being built around Jonathan you have Alessandrini you bring in Kamara who's a center forward and then you have to move everything to suit this giant of a player And, and Zlatan if you, if you build around him, he'll score goals. Mm-hmm. If you don't, he's not the forward that drops in yeah. and gets on it. Thierry, when he was coming towards the end of his career, reinvented himself because yeah. he was uh, in behind. And then he came back and he was so creative. You don't see that from Zlatan. So yeah. I, I think it's, it's going to be a struggle there to, to mesh him in with the other pieces that they have. Kamara is now out wide left at times, and yeah. that's not where he wants to play. So it's going to be tough, but again, the Galaxy... They love signing big names.
0: You knew they were going to do that. And, uh, yeah, we'll see. He scored a couple of goals, so... He's someone who won't be at the World Cup, but let's talk about the World Cup anyway. Um, Who do you think... Who do you actually think is going to win? Because I'm thinking of the best team, I think, in Germany. I mean, they've left Leroy signing That's unbelievable, isn't it? The fact you couldn't (laughs) do that. Like, he's... He was top five players in the Premiership yeah. this year on yeah. the best team ever, so... He was shortlisted, right? He was yeah. shortlisted for it, yeah, and yeah. And he's like 21, 22 yeah. maybe, so he's at home. I beat Germany, I look at France's team, who they've, who they've left at home. Spain is Spain. Where, where do your eyes go when you think the team I see lifting the trophy in July?
1: I, I think Spain. I, I think... Really? I, I think Brazil are... Better prepared than they've ever been. Well, over the last couple of cycles, to to yeah. challenge again after what happened four years ago, I think they have better balance yeah. in midfield. Fred might have picked up an injury that could have be that could be an issue for them because I think he's a key player for them. Um, but yeah, I, I just think Spain have reinvented themselves again after winning it. They dropped down. Some of that squad got old together. Xavi and Iniesta. Yeah. Now they have they have the players again for me in in midfield. Uh, they can control a game. It's it's in Europe, which I know sounds kind of silly because a lot of Brazilians play there or yeah. South Americans. But I, I always think that plays into it as well. So I've gone for Spain, but I, again, I wouldn't be surprised to see Brazil go all the way as well.
0: What would you expect from
1: Messi? I never know. It, Argentina, it, it's just it's not the same, it's is it? Not, yeah. um, they should be. They've got the players. Yeah. And, and they're another team on the day can beat anybody because... Yeah. They have Lionel Messi, but the, the balance just doesn't seem to be there in that squad, no matter who they bring in as manager. Even when they went to the final, they, they didn't blow you away and with that he, run.
0: He, was, he scored five goals last World Cup, but he wasn't Messi. No, no. Yeah, I didn't think he was Messi. Um, are, are you in the camp that says for him to be considered the best ever, he has to win no. the World Cup? No, no, no. You're not in that no, camp? No, he's, he's by far, I mean, <laughs> for, for what he's done
1: from, I remember the first year seeing him play and, and he scores however many goals, and I'm like, that's amazing. And then he does it again, and you're like, okay. Salah had the season this year, right? We right. talked about this, and everyone's going, he's the, the great. And I'm like, Messi yeah. does that every year. Yeah. Ten, and like Ronaldo the, the same. Yeah. So it's like yeah. to, to do it at that level for that long, yeah, for me, he's the best ever. But I, I think those arguments are so tough to have. But yeah. regardless of what how he does in this World
0: Cup, he'll, he'll go down as he's the done. greatest I've watched anyway. The U.S. won't be there. You're involved like in the youth at the US, you do a lot of scouting and things like that. Um, when people talk about you know, the system needs to be changed and things like that, sometimes I think we throw these words around. Um, one, how big of an opportunity missed is this for the US? And two, give some more context to what people mean when they say maybe the system needs an overhaul. Because you're familiar with the European system and how those things work. Like, What's it going to take maybe for the US to not, I don't want to say catch up, but improve and not have something like this happen again.
1: Yeah, it's massive because you're not losing out to uh, a Holland in qualifying or you know, a France in qualifying. You lost out would have lost to Trinidad and Panama are gone. And and Panama, you know, we all hope Roman Torres has a great World Cup, but let's be honest, they're They're, not a very strong side. They're going to keep the engines running. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, they they have their checkout date set It's (laughs) after the final game in the group. Um, But, yeah, it's massive. I do think changes have been made to the academy system, the structure, but... It it's this in this day and age we we make the change and like okay where's the results? Yeah. I'm like, okay, well the first players have to come through. You're starting to see a good group of players coming through from that academy setup. Um but yeah, I think a lot has to change. The coaching, we have to get better coaches in the US system, yeah, in MLS and we have to challenge players. I think one thing Klinsman did well was Say to players, "Hey, if you want to be the best, you have to challenge yourself." Day and day. out he was almost on them, and some players yeah. didn't take to that. So, I, I think we have to challenge the players. But I, I do think in the the youth system, the academy system, we're making steps in the right direction, and and that's got to continue. Who would you want to see get that job,
0: that head coaching job? A, and a, a guy from like a, was it like a Greg Belharter, or do you go for like a Louis Enrique? Or- I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's an enticing job for a Louis
1: Enrique. And I, yeah. I, I love I love these writers who are. They don't even want to manage their own country because international football is yeah. not day-to-day. Yeah. You can't sign... So, Luis Enrique is great with Barcelona, but he doesn't have Barcelona you players can't, can't,
0: here. You can't lose to Trinidad and say, let's go sign Neymar. Yeah, yeah. 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 so for
1: yeah. me, like, you look at like, the job Lars Lagerbach did at Sweden mm. and did at Iceland... And for me that's a viable candidate because he gets the best out of a group of players who are good, but you don't have that elite, you know, yeah. elite level players. So for me someone like that would be good. If we're looking in MLS, I think Greg is is a great shout because he, he has an identity with his team. Jesse Marsh is another one who does well, so Um, If they want to go that route, those would be two names that would would stick out for me. P for me as well. Um, But but looking on the broader side of things, yeah, it's not going to be an enticing job for
0: Luis Enrique or or anybody like that, unfortunately. There's been a few times in my career coming against American players, and I remember them vividly. 2010, I think it was, I was in a game against the Galaxy, and I saw Landon do something. And I caught myself in a game just saying, like, wow, he's ridiculous. I've trained with Clint. And played with Clinton, seen him do things and go, he's ridiculous. You've seen Christian Pulisic up close and also you do a lot of the German games. How good is he right now? And just what's the ceiling with this guy? The ceiling is, I, I mean, I, I don't think he can put a ceiling
1: on it. He, he is that good. Funny enough, I don't think he had the greatest season this year. Um, but he's 19, and we're talking about second full season. Yeah. He's playing for one of the biggest clubs in Germany. They're in the Champions League, and we're going, uh, you know, he, he starts every week because the coaches understand what he brings to the team. He's very direct. Uh, he can take defenders on. He's not, he's not blind. He doesn't have the pace that you would have, right. but he's got good balance, so yeah. he, he's got that change of pace. Um, needs to add goals to his game because in that position, in the modern game, you need to score What's goals.
0: Bet- where? where would you play him if you were coaching him?
1: They, they play him wide, right? I could see him eventually play wide on the left coming inside. Um, but I, I do think, because I remember at first they were talking about him as a 10 yeah. for the US. I think he wants to go and dribble at you, and uh, I think that's best in wide areas. So I, th- I think next year, again, we'll see him play wide. Eventually, he'll become that left-sided player who comes in. For the US, though, we don't have that left-back who gets around that would really complement him. But yeah, I think ultimately that's where he's going to end up.
0: Yeah. Um, before we go, I think... It, um wouldn't do justice because you had a playing career and I think you kind of downplay <laughs> that a little bit you play because I think that's one thing we talk a lot and it's like you know the way you see the game and stuff That's it is a lot also from a, a player's um, perspective yeah. where did you get your start playing and one or two career highlights
1: I gotta be careful here, because then Twitter's uh, Twitter's not a friendly place when you talk about <laughs> career highlights. Uh, I guess I should I should say when I lost to the Sounders, maybe that would be. <laughs> no, uh, career highlight when, uh, when I was with Portland. We played against San Jose, mm-hmm. uh, and Young Landon came on, and yeah. uh, I, I set up a goal. I remember in that where it was like the the report the next day in the newspaper said the cross was like a hot Irish knife through butter. <laughs> And I was like, "What on earth?" Like, I mean, I couldn't have written that any better myself, you know. So, uh, you know, that was that was a career highlight. I went to Luton for a bit, yeah. um, and Kerry Dixon was coaching the, the team we were playing against. And I remember scoring a goal in that game from left back, and I never scored goal. I wasn't quick <laughs> enough to get down the line, so. That, for me, was, was... I remember looking for the next day for the paper, and I, I lost it. I can't find it anywhere now. But I could have of the newspaper. I was like, I'm keeping this. So, um, no, look, I I, I love playing. Um, you know, I love... I went and got my coaching badges and everything. I, I just... I love being involved in the game. Um, and, and, and I do think, commentary-wise, it does help yeah. to have been in a dressing room to understand the dynamics of... Because... Yeah. Guillaume Balague, a a guy that I really respect, a Spanish journalist, told me he was like, no matter what dressing room it is, amateur, pro, the best, they all have the same personalities in it. You have the egotistical guy, you have the insecure guy. So you you can see that, you can understand. So... um, I don't draw on it too many
0: times, but uh, <laughs> you saw you saw me play last year. I was pretty good in your game. The left foot's good. <laughs> I, I, I just love left footed players. So it's like, um, um, before we go, last question. You're like me. You came from across the pond. Um, I've been here a long time too now. I find myself at times being defensive about MLS. And what I mean by that is this. I remember when Barca beat us 4-0 in 2009 and people are like, oh, see, MLS isn't good. Look at that. I'm like you. you Do know they beat every team? Every they beat every team (laughs) in La league 5-0 every week as well. I feel like a fair comparison would be if Sunderland came over or West Brom came over. So where where's MLS's true level? Do you think in terms of it's tough to compare, but a team like Atlanta. They only told me Atlanta can't compete with at their best or Seattle the past couple years. Toronto.
1: It's so tough to. I think if you take an English team a championship team out of their environment and put them in MLS it would be difficult yeah. same way if you take Atlanta out and put them in championship they would probably struggle are you saying Amiron can't do it on a cold trees <laughs> and <laughs> no but the, the thing that winds me up I'm sure you get it as well when you go home and I'll meet someone who's really high up in the Premier yeah. League and they'll go to me I find with MLS da 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 da, da and they tell me all about MLS I go oh, okay how many games have you watched? I don't watch it. Yeah. So yeah. Well, what are you telling me about mls for if you don't even understand this? So for me, the level is, it's, it's obviously not the level of the Premier League, no. but nowhere is. Uh, it's yeah, not the level of right. La Liga. But I, I think when you consider where it started and how quickly it's grown, it's, it's a league that continues yeah. to make the right strides. Yeah. Uh, and, and it will continue to move forward. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, be investment too, because we still see that, in a team of 11, two or three guys and a lot of money, and then you have two or three it's on 60,000. You don't see that everywhere yeah. else in the world. So it's getting there. It's getting there. And I think, I think League MX is the next league that it has to look to and say, mm-hmm. can we compete there on a weekly basis where there's yeah. no question about that, com- yeah. uh, you know, competition? Yeah. That's next step for it.
0: Keys to a Sounders win this weekend? <sighs> Scoring goals. <laughs>
1: we'll take creating chances right now, <laughs> that's won't, that's won't we? a good one, yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's... You know, I you know I know you talked about Clint and stuff like that. It's just I think we have to be uh, we have to take more chances with what we do. Sometimes playing out of the back is very good, and it's we're doing it at such a slow pace. It's it's easy to read what we're doing, so we have to be a little bit more creative. We have to take more chances in possession. And look, you'd rather lose fighting than than lose with a whimper and not creating chances. So DC are a a trap team. Mm -hmm. They're a better team than the record suggests. They have a couple of good attacking players. Yeah. So I think we have to be wary of that. But it, it, it's a game that you look at the grand scheme of things. You have to win if you're going to you, you know, stay remotely in with a chance of, of a yeah. in the playoffs at the end of the season.
0: And there you have it. Commentator extraordinaire, Keith goshigan Thanks for stopping by, Keith. Thank you. And we'll see you on the broadcast this weekend. When we come back, I'll have more on Winging It with Zach Awani. Stay tuned. Coach, tough loss. Your thoughts after uh, tonight's You're Open right Cup right. match? Well, some guys battled extremely, extremely hard. Some guys were of wearing the jersey. And what we got
1: to learn from that is that we also need to, you know, make sure that we close games
0: out in the right fashion. Uh, that second goal was something that we'll look at. Um, but we wanted to close the game out, get the penalties, try and score on ourselves We need to make sure that we're disciplined. And we'll we'll talk that through. But I'm extremely extremely proud of the effort. Ray, sorry, was on a half a leg. Chenka on a half a leg. A lot of guys cramping up. They really put uh, heart and soul into the team, into the game. Thanks again to Keith Kostigan for joining me on the podcast this week. Um, always a fun conversation. Let's get to a couple of questions. Question number one. Should the Sounders have emphasized the Open Cup more and in a list of priorities for an MLS team, where should it be? Um, It's a tough one because I think it's different for every MLS team. What I will say for me is this. Growing up an Arsenal fan, every year it felt like Arsenal were competing for the FA Cup as well as doing well in the league trying to do well in the Champions League, you know, back then couldn't quite manage that. But, um, Arsenal won the FA Cup and the league in 98. I believe they won the FA Cup two or three times in, you know, Wenger's early years. And it always felt like a good, um, deep cup run. um, Spurred good league performances too. Um, It built momentum. So, also in recent years, you know, Arsenal haven't won the league since 2004. But what kind of kept Wenger in the job even longer was he won a couple of FA Cups in recent years. And, for that, I would say for me, then I would emphasize it. Just it's a trophy, you know. I look back on my career, and one of my best memories is winning the Open Cup at home against the Columbus Crew. You know, the second year running, retaining that cup and being champions. You put that medal around your neck. You lift a trophy in front of your fans. You can't really beat that. So I would always emphasize winning trophies. And when you look at cup competitions around the world, the big teams win it. How many times in the recent years have Barca won the Copa del Rey? That's their Open Cup. Um, they've had finals against Real Madrid, you know, and in the Open Cup finals, you've seen Messi playing and Suarez and Neymar when he was there and Piquet and Iniesta. It's, it's a big thing, you know. Um, Man knew this year we're going for the FA Cup because it would have been a trophy and then Chelsea happened to win it. So I would have that approach. It's four or five games, it's a path to a trophy, and that winning breeds confidence. You know, I remember a few years ago, DC had a really bad league season, but they won the Open Cup. And those guys can look back on their careers and say, you know, they are champions. And it might not be MLS Cup. It might not even be the Supporters' Shield. But it's a trophy, and no one takes that from you. And winning's always fun. And when there's a trophy at the end of it, I think it's great. Second question has to do with... <laughs> there's an article that came out that said, you know, MLS are denying time and time deals. And a few of you sent that question in. And I don't know too much about it. I glanced at the article... Um, I'm familiar with the writer of the article. We did the research. Um, you know, I'm obviously on the side of the players always. I want the players to get paid. I want everyone to get paid. I've always said the league minimum should be raised significantly. Um, you know, and different teams go about in different ways. But I remember when I came to the Sounders, you know, we had like win bonuses and cup bonuses, um, appearance, all things like that. And you know, some teams split it between the guys who played, or, you know, the 18 for that week, where the sound is, we always split it equally among 30 guys on a roster, if you were training with us all week, and you were the 29th guy on the roster and never played, you still got a piece of it, because it's important, because I think this league, we're all trying to grow it and build it, whether on the playing side, the fan side, the coaching side, broadcast, whatever it is, and I think the more quality players you want to attract, you have to pay those players. And so if, you know, I think Jovan Jones' name came up and Stefan Fry, guys you've put work in, Stefan was the MLS Cup MVP, wanted a new contract, as he should, and the league said no. So I think in that instance for me, I don't know the details, but I'm always on the side of the players um, being rewarded because that at the end of the day is who is putting their bodies on the line. The league's doing very well by all accounts and I think that should trickle down to the players. Big three things. Number one, Twitter. And what I mean by that is fan engagement. What's the line between you know passion and just crossing that line? And for me, I think I will say from a player's perspective, it was always funny for me when I had Twitter when I played, because one week, you know, I would come on Twitter and I was the best winger in the league and I should be signed to a 10-year contract. And it usually was after I'd scored in that game. Then the next week, I missed the easy chance and was bad and I probably should be cut or be traded. So you get used to that pretty quick, that that fluctuates like that. And it's funny, it's fun. And I had no issue engaging with fans. You know, you grow a thick skin because of that. Um, But what I will say is I love it. I think fans should be passionate. I think fans should hold players accountable. I think fans should absolutely um, voice their opinions as long as it's not personal, that's where I would stay away from it. You know, I voice my opinions as a fan now, um, but you never want to be personal. You know, I've played with so many players throughout my career. Every single player tries hard. No player comes to work and doesn't want to play well. There's a lot of pressure um, in this job. You know, it's the one job in the world, a professional athlete, you know, one of them where people come to your job and scream at you if you don't do it good. And you know, that, that it takes a certain type of mental strength to overcome that. I remember speaking with DeAndre a couple of years back and him just saying to me, he realized that, you know, he was 21, 22 and having to deal with all this pressure and just how mentally strong you have to be, especially with him going to England and you've got 50,000 passionate fans who you don't know personally that have access to you and can say whatever they want. So I think there is a line there, but I think it's great. I think you grow the sport that way. You know, you look at um, LeBron James, he's the greatest athlete of our time and he's criticized more than anybody by all these talk shows and stuff. And I think we want that for our league to grow as well for visibility but the passion's great I just think um, you never want to cross lines or be personal so that would be my two cents on that and that came from you know just the past few weeks I think um, trying to figure out how we make sense of this Sounder season number two perspective and perspective I phrased that from the question of have we been spoiled as Sounders fans players since 2009 this team's been very successful don't know where it stands right now with this season's record, but at the start of the season, from nine until the start of the regular season, 2018, the Sounders had compiled the best regular season record in MLS during that time, had won an MLS Cup, been to an MLS final, had won the Western Conference Championship twice, had won a Support Shield, had won three, four Open Cups, been to five finals maybe. Very, very successful. Extremely successful. Incredibly successful. Whichever word you want to use. Um this year's not been good. It's not been good. So, the perspective for me comes into it as I've been an Arsenal fan since the 90s and the last time I saw my team lift the trophy was 2004. 14 long years, still an Arsenal fan. So, teams go through cycles. You're not always going to win. You always want the team to do well, but you're not always going to be able to maintain the standard you have. And, Teams can have down years. Barcelona have gone through years where they haven't won a trophy. Manchester United, great team like Manu have gone through years where they haven't won a trophy. I hope the Sounders can turn it around. But if this is that year, I don't think it's the end of the world. You don't want to be the Cleveland Browns and be bad for 60 years or whatever it is. And one and thirty one over the past couple of seasons, horrible no that 's different. You want to maintain your standards, but I think the perspective is important that we can sit back right now and go wow we 've been really good because it 's tough to maintain that standard. number three Clint Dempsey, I touched on him earlier in the podcast, and I want to briefly talk about it from a different angle because um, I have a soft spot for Clint, I think he's a fantastic player, a fantastic person, and he is slowing down due to the mileage on his body over, his long, great career, his age, but he still has a ton of quality. And one thing I learned in sports was that people do have short memories. They really do. Um, This is a guy who, since he came in 2013, has been worth the money um, that the team's paid him. He's won... So many points for this team with his moments of brilliance. So many games he's been worth the price of admission. Um, he does it in his way, the Clint Dempsey way, you know, with kind of that scowl on his face and he's locked in, but he's special, special, special player. And he's elevated this club's profile, um, even globally being the face of the US team for so long. He's done it at the World Cup level. He's done it in England. He's done it in European competitions. Um, And right now, he's not at the level he once was, but it still is a really good level. So I still think there's a lot for him in there. And I would caution everybody not to write him off yet. Be fair in judgment and criticism. Clint will be the first to admit it's not been a great season. Be fair, be honest, be realistic. And I'll be the first to say it's not been Clint's best season. But there's a long way to go. And you put him in the right mix, get him a couple of goals... He can still get you six to ten goals at 34, 35, whatever he is at this point. And however long he has left to play, I think sometimes I rather cherish those kinds of players and acknowledge what they've done, realize they can't quite do it, not by choice, but by father time. And then just say, you know what, let's squeeze whatever's left out of this orange just get all the juice we can out of Clint and then whenever he decides whether it's now or in 2-3 years that he's done we can look back on one of the great American careers of all time if not the greatest but I think he's coming for a lot of criticism and some of it's fair some of it's borderline you're not cutting trading getting rid of Clint Dempsey the quality's still there hasn't shown it yet this year neither has the team and Clint isn't the only problem that's my two cents Big one this weekend. Three points is a must, as it was last weekend. There are must-win games in MLS sooner rather than later. Adrian himself said it this week. You've got to start getting points. Don't want to give yourself too big of a hole to dig yourself out of. What a perfect time it would be to go on some kind of run right around the World Cup time and then bring in some reinforcements. And then suddenly in six weeks, this podcast sounds very different and everybody's happy. And we're all friends again. So big one against D.C., Hoping for three points. I will be back next week to wrap up, hopefully, a successful game against DC United. I will talk to you then. I'm Steve Zakuani. This is Winging It with Zakuani.